Hello, hello and welcome to another episode of Talking T20. It's been another bumper week of Vitality Blast action, uh, albeit the small matter of an Ashes test has meant that the competition has taken a slight backseat in the attention of some. Uh, but we'll talk you, talk you through everything you might have missed, including last ball drama, overrate penalties and more ties than Bangkok City Centre. I'm Matt Roller and I'm joined by ESPN Crick Info's Deputy Editor, Alan Gardner. Welcome, Alan. Good day. Uh, after we've rounded up the thrills and spills of the blast, we'll be joined by Dan Norcross and Henry Moran, who will preview the final season of the Kia Super League before it's replaced by the Women's 100 next year, which all gets underway on Tuesday night with a triple header of games. Uh, but for now, let's start with the Blast South group uh, and at the Oval last Tuesday where uh, Kent smashed Surrey, really, in a rain-reduced 7-over game thanks to Mohamed Nabi uh, going ever so slightly bonkers with a 12-ball 43. Alan, 7-7 uh, cricket, the way forward? <laughs> it's it's almost reduced to its uh, smallest component parts. Uh, it, always, it always feels a bit of a shame when, when the game does uh, end up going that way uh, purely to get a result in I suppose but um, yeah when you've got someone who can give it an absolute tonking like Mohamed Nabi in those circumstances it kind of helps so Surrey seemed to, to struggle a little bit through their seven overs and, and Kent just knocked them off yeah and and it was a it was a tricky week that Kent were dealt by the the fixture computer at ECBHQ because they were at Lords uh, on Thursday then against a the Middlesex side who had started the competition pretty well and uh, came through both of those well, what looked like tough challenges on paper pretty comfortably in the end. And uh, Alex Blake's 66 off 29 uh, did the job against Middlesex. Uh, do you think they look like a pretty strong team, look pretty well placed to qualify? Well, uh, they've started in such a way, six wins out of seven. Um, I guess we're going to talk about the defeat they have suffered coming up. But um, that, such such um, such is the importance of kind of momentum early on in uh, these tournaments that you would you'd be surprised if they didn't make it through although sustaining that momentum all the way to finals day will be um the trick that they have to master uh you've got they've got clearly a, they've come together well this year i believe they were your one of your tips before the <laughs> tournament began so uh well spotted uh matt but yeah they've got pace haven't they with um with hardersville yearn who was uh who was a Colpacker with with derbyshire until mm. uh recent times picked up at the ipl and has then sort of in a roundabout way reappeared um with kent uh but yeah the, mohammed nabby's crafty off spin um i think alex blake shone with the bat at lords the other he night when indeed, you were there yeah um yeah i think i think they look like a pretty strong team i think when you add in sam billings he'll presumably come back into the mix in a couple of weeks time i think um i think he said he was targeting the round of championship games which sort of bizarrely interrupts the tournament in a couple of weeks yes yeah, really, just uh, just to keep everyone's feet on the ground you know a bit of, <laughs> bit of champo uh, settle everyone down uh, but yeah, yeah i mean uh, with billings back in the side that just adds to the batting doesn't it heino coon's been in good form um you got adam milne's a, a good overseas player um on, on paper and in rea- and in flesh it seems yeah. so yeah they, they are they are riding high so uh, as you hint they were roundly thrashed by again a very good sussex team uh on friday night who knocked off 155 and 16 overs thanks to phil salt and laurie evans they look pretty complete as a team yeah uh, i mean uh, you mentioned those two players at the top of the order they've got luke Wright in there for experience um Delray Rawlins and, and David Visa lower down, who, who are both handy biffers. Um, you've got, you've got pace in the bowling again, left arm with 
Tamal, uh, Jofra Arch is quite a handy player when he's available. Rashid Khan's leg spin. Danny Briggs's left arm spin. Danny Briggs, indeed. The, now the supposedly the leading wicket-taker in the history of English domestic T20 cricket. You it, couldn't script it. W- w- what an accolade. Yeah. We, we're all sitting there ticking off the, the <laughs> wickets for him to get past uh, Yasser Arafat, I think. Uh, I mean, he, he has been uh, kind of an unsung stalwart of uh, of the format, hasn't he? I mean, mm. Hampshire were were one of the, one of the great T Twenty sides um, dominating this tournament before it was this tournament. Really, the kind of the Friends Provident or the Friends Life T Twenty. Yeah. Um, if you go back eight nine years, um, part of that team that I think Hampshire were kind of six or seven consecutive finals day and mm. finals day appearances. Um, Never quite made it with uh, uh, the international level with England. You know, I think he went to one World T20 and he played the odd ODI here and there. And um, and it was a, a bit of a, sh- a shame, I suppose, t- that he had to move counties um, to get more red ball cricket, I, I guess it was back uh, mm. a few years ago when he switched to Sussex. But he's still still doing it in, in T20 and, uh, and 50 over. And um, yeah... Congratulations to him. Yeah, and on the note of Hampshire, obviously we we talk about the uh, the team that Briggs broke into back in 2010 or 2011, and that was a side that was full, filled with spinners. They had Shahid Afridi and Imran Tahir when he first came into the team, and used to produce you know raging Bunsens down at the Rose Bowl. And uh, there's sort of a vague hint that that might be coming back for Hampshire because uh, Liam Dawson and Mason Crane have both put a few performances on the board at the moment and Hampshire is sort of in this cluster of teams in the South Group and mid-table who look like they sort of might threaten to do something but it's still early days. Yeah, yeah, I mean it, it, it is quite tightly, they're quite tightly grouped at the moment aren't they? Um, and again looking at kind of the players Hampshire can call upon J- James Vince, World Cup winner James Vince is there, <laughs> he, he was uh, uh, he's been to finals day many a time, um, you know, part of Part of that team um, back in the back in the day that uh, was so successful, um, Dawson World Cup winner Liam Dawson. Yeah, um, it, nice to see Crane playing and and getting wickets. And they've got a they've reinforced well from South Africa with with um, I mean Carl Abbott's a, a thoroughbred performer for them. Carl, Chris Morris doesn't seem to have been a bad signing. Um, it's and it, at this stage of the tournament, you know, when when uh, you've got a few wins, but uh, all the teams are jostling for position. If you can string together um, three or four good results, that just uh, uh, makes that run towards the finals day all the more probable. And they hammered Gamorgan pretty roundly the other night, managing mm. to defend 128 as though it was 200. I don't <laughs> think Morgan got anywhere near that 87 or so. All out, um, and they look as though Glamorgan, they're kind of tailing off towards the bottom of the table. I think probably at the stage where they might start to think about whether they can bring in a few, a few young players, get some experience in. Um, the other team that's probably slightly more surprised, well, with no disrespect to Glamorgan, who have competed pretty well in the blast in recent years, uh, perhaps more surprising tailing off is Surrey, uh, who I think have just looked a little bit light on batting for the most part, but then against Somerset on Friday managed to rack up 200 and still still couldn't defend it. Um, do you have do you have the answer as to what Stewie should be doing? <laughs> um, it's one of those things that was sorry this year. They just seem to be in all formats. <laughs> they they look a great side. They've got obviously well resourced. Um, Back at the back at the at the opening um, of the season, the, I went down to the Oval and uh, obviously 
defending county champions, but the talk was with Stuart and, and Michael Devenuto, well, we, we've really got to do this across all formats. Mm. You know, we want to create a, a dynasty um, here at Surrey. Um, and, yeah, it, it just... It's not working out. Once again, you, you've got Aaron Finch uh, <laughs> opening the batting. You've got talents like Ollie Pope and Will Jacks. Every time I seem to go on uh, Twitter, Ollie Pope is reverse sweeping someone <laughs> over um, uh, short third man. Yeah. But, um, the, the, it, yeah, it hasn't clicked this season. Um, and even with um, even with the, uh, the the old stage at Imran Tahir, uh, mm. you know, doing laps of the Oval in celebration, Um <laughs> And and even hitting a six in, uh, to to get them was it a tie? Yeah, a tie at Sussex. Yeah. And, um, yeah, all 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 things which you think would suggest things are going your way, but um, no. Um, I, yeah, sorry. For a long time, they seemed a, a kind of moribund T Twenty side, mm. albeit that the stands were full and the beer was flowing. Yeah. Um, and then they they have uh, they have made it to to finals there a couple of times in recent years, and um, and they've obviously been to. Or several 50 over finals in in recent memory as well but um this year looks to be one of those years when despite all of the uh all of the options they have uh to call upon things just just aren't going their way yeah and i suppose they'll point as well to I, I, ben folks had a bit of an injury that kept him out and uh they're obviously one of the counties that's more affected by test call-ups uh you know sam curran's played this weekend but is in and out of the squad which can't be particularly helpful and Jason Roy is obviously a massive loss uh, at the top of the order his partnership with Finch when it on the rare occasions that came together last summer was pretty notably destructive um, but yeah it sort of doesn't quite look like being sorry here um, I'm very sorry obviously for for, for Norky because yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'll be weeping down down in the south but, um, they so sorry were as I say roundly beaten by Somerset who chased down uh, 204 with a couple of overs to spare thanks to 50s from Tom Banton and Eddie Byram uh, on Friday night um, and Somerset again haven't quite kicked on in the way they'd like to this year, they're sort of at the bottom of that bunch of teams uh, in the South group uh, I think they're two wins and four losses from their six uh, and I think we'll be they're sort of heading towards the stage of the competition where uh, after their defeat at Richmond, uh, an A.B. de Villiers-inspired defeat, uh, he hit 88 not out, including nine towering sixes uh, yesterday afternoon. Uh, but yeah, after after that defeat, they're getting towards the stage where they th- might think about resting a few players and focusing on that championship running. Um, they're also without uh, the injured Lewis Gregory at the moment. Uh, so in his place, Tom Abel has skipped at the side in the past couple of games. Uh, and here's what he had to say after yesterday's loss at Old Deer Park. Tom, uh, you have been without Lewis Gregory for the past couple of games. How big a loss has that been? I mean, Lewis is, you know, he's an invaluable member of our team and of our side. I think he's probably irreplaceable, you know, what he brings with the bat and with the ball um, and as a captain in 2020 as well. So it is a big loss. Uh, equally, you know, we've got to take it upon ourselves uh, to step up to the mark. See Eddie Byron the other night certainly did that. It was fantastic. But you know, any time you lose someone of Lewis's caliber, you know that's going to leave a bit of a hole in your team. But we certainly feel we have the depth in the squad and the players and the talent um, to to fill that void. And are you expecting to be without him for the rest of the group stage? Have to wait and see how he recovers. Obviously, um, there's a long way, a lot to play for in this season. So. 
look, we need Lewis back um, and firing as soon as we can do. Equally, you know, you've got to got to make sure that you're not bringing him back too soon. So, yeah, hopefully, you know, he has a part to play later on in potentially this competition. You know, but also there's a lot of cricket to be played in the season as well. Uh, and Peter Trigo has been out of the team for the past couple of games. How tough a call is that to leave him out? Of course, it's a, you know, a really tough call. Treat has been a phenomenal player for us at the top of the order for, for years. And um, look, We've not started this competition well and um, we're always looking to tweak, tweak things to, to try and get the best out of the team and out of the squad. And it's disappointing, I'm sure, for Treat. Um, but we, we make these decisions with the best intentions and trying to win each game of cricket. And a last word on Tom Banton. He's obviously been a bit of a star of this campaign for you so far. Uh, how good has he been? He's absolute genius, to be honest with you. I mean, the way he's been playing um, and the shots he plays, you know, he's impossible to bowl out on his day. And um, he's been getting us off to great starts in the competition. Um, just, yeah, so much ability, so much talent, so much confidence. And, you know, it's great for us. Um, seeing him play the way he does and it gives us a lot of confidence in the dressing room when you've got someone like that at the top of the order. So that's Tom Abel's verdict on Somerset's struggles uh, and that concludes our chat about the South group uh, but moving on to the North uh, it's it looks like uh, a pretty big season for Lancashire who are sitting pretty at the top thanks to uh, runs for Glenn Maxwell, runs and wickets for Liam Livingston uh, and a, a sort of pretty well varied looking bowling attack with uh, the left arm seam of James Faulkner, the the raw pace of Gleeson and Saqib Mahmood, wrist spin of Matt Parkinson. Uh, are, are they heading towards being favourites, Alan? Well, that's a that's a big question. <laughs> They're certainly uh, favourites to win the North Group at this stage, <laughs> being being on top of it and uh, nicely placed. Um, the, the the performance the other night, uh, Glenn Maxwell came good um mm. I mean, there's sort of been been talk of him kind of uh, ticking over um but i, I think they were in a they were a bit of bit of strife weren't they uh, yeah i think they were four, 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 four or five down yeah and, yeah halfway they were uh, 45 for four or something like that against yeah. a good knots team as well yeah um and he dragged them up almost single-handedly to to what turned out to be uh, a defendable score uh, I mean, yeah, we know what uh, the big show's like when he gets going. Um, but it's been it's been a, been a team effort all round there um, uh, up at Old Trafford. Um, you know, Liam, Liam Livingston hasn't played uh, all the games, but uh, has has done his stuff with bat and ball. Uh, I mean, I, it's nice to see. Um, it's nice to see well pace again, but uh, Saki Mahmood um, is a hand, very handy young player. Uh, had a good Royal London Cup, um, although he's been expensive uh, in the T20 so far. Um, but uh, yeah, picking up picking up wickets and then you've just got that variety again, which is uh, so important. Um, but again, you've just got to, You've got to um, time the run right, haven't you? Lancashire been yeah. finals there a few times. They've won it. Uh, I think in 2013 or 14. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're they're flying they're flying high at the moment. Yeah, it's an interesting theme. I spoke to we we spoke to Harry Gurney on the pod a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying that Nottingham's focus is very much on peaking at the right time and building up to finals day, and uh, you know making sure that they they hit their best spot on September the 21st or whenever it is. 
Uh, and I, I think, yeah, there's a, there's a bit of commotion at Lancashire, as we were discussing off air, about um, sort of the, the possibility of a home quarterfinal that wouldn't be. Uh, yeah, with, a, with an Ashes test upcoming, uh, which clashes with, with the, the knockout stage. Um, well, it sounds like uh, the options would be moving it to, a, to an outground, which would be hard to televise, uh, or, or to a neutral venue. Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose the ECB might just be hoping that Lancashire end up third or fourth. Yeah, it's a tricky <laughs> one, and it has a parallel from last year as well, where th- there was some sort of about two weeks before uh, the knockout stage, Lancashire was sort of between first and third in the group, and there were a lot of people anxious about what they would do if they ended up with a home quarterfinal. In the event, I think they lost their last couple in the group stage and ended up going to Kent. Um, which might as well have been a home game because Kent very kindly prepared a pitch that was absolutely perfect for their <laughs> spin-fest attack. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, it, it is a bit of a curious situation. Uh, and the other thing to bear in mind is that um, their, their overseas player situation uh, is sort of a bit up in the air. They've done very well, and it's very unusual for a county to be able to tie down two guys as good as Glenn Maxwell and James Faulkner for the whole of the group stage. Uh, rather than sort of coming in for an eight-game stint here or a five-game stint there. Uh, but the problem is that by the time of finals day, which is very late this year, I think it's the latest it's ever been, uh, you know, right right towards the end of the season. Mm. And by that point, uh, Maxwell and most likely Faulkner too will be back in Australia preparing for the start of the Shield season or for the uh, maybe for the domestic one-day uh, season. And that does leave a bit of a challenge. Yeah, I mean, if you've... I mean. Overseas players tend to be important players in most teams. Uh, that's why you, why you bring them in. But um, to lose both um, when that's been such a central part of your of your group stage, uh, and, and as we were discussing, you you, you can no longer just bus in uh, a star for the uh, for the knockouts if they haven't played in the group stage, uh, as uh, as previous precedent um, has has allowed. Um, yeah, that that's going to leave holes for Lancashire to have to fill for, to fill if they do get that far. But I suppose on the flip side, it's a nice problem to have, and any other <laughs> county would much rather be in that position than they're sitting pretty with twelve points after uh, after seven games. Uh, one last one on Lancashire: uh, Matt Parkinson uh, has been talked up a lot in the in the press by us, by everyone over the past couple of seasons. Uh, he's currently second on the wicket takers list. He's got 13, an average of 11, economy of 7.3, strike rate of nine, which is, you know, <laughs> very impressive uh, for a leg spinner. Uh, is he an outside bet for that T20 World Cup in Australia? Yeah, I think uh, England have been looking at him. As far as I'm, uh, I'm aware, there was some talk of him possibly getting called up. Uh, well, he was injured last winter. I mean, he, he had a deal, I think, to go to Melbourne Stars, and it would have been interesting to see how he went in in um, the Big Bash League. Um, obviously, hasn't hasn't been capped yet, but um, I think England you're always interested in a in a young leggy. Um, they've they've had a, a a dabble with Mason Crane, of course, uh, and Adil Rashid is still the, the the premier performer in that role for them. But uh, later this year, a tour of New Zealand that features a five T20 um, international series, and uh, the, the focus now World Cup out the way. The next mm. World Cup is the 20 over World Cup, um, sort of eighteen months from now in Australia. So um, 
Parkinson, I, I would think that Parkinson's a good shout based on his current form in, in the blast, um, assuming uh, England and the ECB are, are watching <laughs> uh, their, their, uh, their Premier T20 format. Um, yeah, that, that, that he might well tour in, in the winter. Um, and then if he can, yeah, if he can impress, then, um, there's, there's always room for a, a, a leggy who takes wickets. I think there'll be a great deal of interest in that tour as well, not least because of the possibility of bringing in a lot of the fringe players that perhaps have been, uh, sidelined in favour of, uh, ODI players that the selectors have wanted to take a look at. So, you, you know, you use the example of, uh, the T20 international against Pakistan earlier this summer where, uh, Ben Folks and Joe Denley were playing and I, I, Doubt realistically mm. that either of them is in England's long-term planning for uh, 20 over cricket, but they wanted to use it as a chance to get them around the group for the 50 over World yeah. Cup. Uh, so whether you know that they sort of go for a continuity model from the 50 over game and just put a few different faces in, so we see Parkinson and a, a Tamil Mills. Mm. Um, you know, it's not out. It's not beyond the realms of possibility. We might see Tom Banton. Um, yes, yes, been uh, been tearing it up for Somerset. Had a good uh, or starred kind of in their Royal London Cup win as well. Uh, mm. uh, in the final, he uh, oh, he played some extraordinary shots actually yeah. uh, in that game. Uh, Phil Salt was called up uh, yeah. to the to the T Twenty squad and and um, just sort of uh, got that I think experience of being around the side. But he's clearly an exciting um, young player. I mean, Liam Livingston has been capped uh, mm. in T20 uh, by England. It didn't go too well uh, um, a couple of summers ago. Uh, yeah, he struggled, it, didn't he? I think he was coming in at six. From yeah, memory. maybe an unusual yeah. sort of finishers position. Um, and he didn't make too many runs against South Africa. Um, but he's you know, he's played in the IPL since then. Mm. Um, he's played in the PSL. I think he's had that some of that experience uh, around the world. Um so captaining or leading leading the side to the final stay this year would be a, a, yeah, a feather in his cap. Uh, another team who have had a, a good week and look well-placed is uh, Worcestershire, who are the holders. Um, and again, look, I think we've said on, on the pod in the past couple of weeks, look like a very strong outfit in that they're probably, if anything, slightly stronger than last year. Um, they've they've they had an unusual week uh, a, a new number 4 uh, in <laughs> yeah. the shape of Wayne Parnell who's some e- excellent uh, stat <laughs> diving here from uh, from Matt first appearance at number 4 is that right yeah he uh, completing the full set we worked out he batted in every single position from 1 to 11 uh, bef- before uh, this week in T20 cricket uh, except for number 4 so Worcester decided to give him a go there i don't know whether that was a I, I assume it was a decision about uh, you know trying to get someone in and con- continue the momentum of the power play. Uh, we, we don't know if he knew that that was no. the one <laughs> thing missing on his T20 CV. Who knows? But he has now completed the record. And in some, uh, yeah, in some style as well. Um, he hit a, a very impressive looking uh, eighty odd not out against Derbyshire in the run chase, and then uh, followed it up with another cameo against Yorkshire. Um, Another person who's, who's done impressively well, sort of under the radar for Worcestershire, is Daryl Mitchell. He's, uh, he's conceding his runs at less than six and over so far this year, bowling what has sort of gradually turned into sort of largely off-spin and off-cutters, uh, rather than what used to be a sort of nagging, gentle, medium pace. But, you know, uh, by God, it's effective. I mean, he, he's always sort of right-arm slow, wasn't he, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, Daryl? Daryl Mitchell, um, one of those sort of uh, the admirable breed of uh, of 
medium paces all rounders uh, that kind of succeed in the in the county game. I suppose dibbly dobbers would be the um, pejorative <laughs> term. Um, but uh, yeah, you've got if you can't if you can't get them away if you can't hit them. I think he's got one one wicket uh, in his. 13 overs looking at looking at my uh, stats page here but yeah economy of 5.53 is what you what can't argue with that <laughs> yeah um but past those two uh there's again a sort of a little bit of a bunch of uh not birmingham and, and durham who are scrapping away with their uh a sort of they've been inspired by darcy short for the most part but equally you know these guys like nathan rimmington and matty potts are uh, stepping up and showing showing their name names to conjure with, but I yeah but I gather they are, these are the death bowling uh, yeah they're uh, about uh, as good as there is in the competition non parails so. yeah <laughs> which which sort of seems like a surprise if you're looking at it blind but from what I gather they're, they're both you know spearing in Yorkers and doing doing a certain job I think you know Chester Street is one of those grounds where uh, you know if you've got the measure of it if you understand the conditions then you can come up with a strategy pretty quickly um, Nathan Rimington's a very experienced player isn't he he's been yeah, you know he's yeah. been around uh, the block and played played a lot of uh, T20 in Australia as well as uh, as well as over here uh, and then there are four teams who are really sort of struggling towards the bottom we mentioned last week that sort of Midlands Triumvirate of uh, Northants Leicester and Derby who are uh, all look kind of uh, adrift at the bottom, and then uh, Yorkshire are also having a little bit of trouble, and without an overseas after Nicholas Puran. But it looks like those those uh, those three of Notts Birmingham and Durham are going to be scrapping out for the last two spots. Well, Yorkshire have signed Keshav Maharaj, haven't they, as a as an option, I think, to play in true, the last. True. Um, but yes, uh, they are what five, five points from from seven. Um, doesn't seem to have clicked for them so far uh, this season. Um, so that just about wraps up the North group. Uh, but of course, as well as uh, the Blast, there is another uh, T20 competition kicking off on Tuesday night. Uh, and we will pass you over now to Daniel Norcross and Henry Moran to preview the Kia Super League. Thank you, Matt. Yes, I am joined today by Henry Moran of the BBC, a fine friend and a colleague of mine who has watched an awful lot of women's cricket. He's been travelling around the country covering the women's ashes, and he's a regular at the Kia Women's Super League, which begins this week with a triple header of matches. All six teams in the competition are going to be featured. Uh, excited for this year's competition? The fourth and last, Henry. I'm excited, but also a tinge of sadness, Dan, because it is the last year of the competition, a competition that started in 2016 as this new design for a franchise league system and it's all disappearing with the advent of the 100 next year. So actually it'll be the last time that there's, well, for the foreseeable future, a top level T20 competition in the women's game, uh, domestically speaking. So uh, what effect that has on the, the women's side in T20 cricket internationally, well, remains to be seen. But yeah, final year of the, of the Women's Super League. I think it's been a success and the frustration I suppose will be for those supporters in place Places like Taunton, where the Western Storm have got quite the following. You see a lot of shirts for the Western Storm, uh, both the, the women's matches and the men's matches played uh, in Somerset. And uh, whether those those areas will feel a sense of loss losing their teams like they are. But it should be a good competition, got lots of good names, and uh, looking forward to it. I am. Uh, my match, the first match I'm going to go and see, is between Yorkshire Diamonds and the Surrey Stars at Headingley. It's a high-profile match. It's... Uh, interesting one for the holders there, the Surrey Stars. 
they've had some changes. What happens in the Kia Super League is that sides don't necessarily just get to keep their players. So having reached the very pinnacle and won it last year, they uh, have had uh, some of their stars taken away from them. It's an attempt to sort of equalise the tournament, isn't it, Henry? That's the thinking. It's a case of... A bit like the, I suppose, the most obvious comparison would be the draft system in, in American sports where the teams that have been least successful in previous years then get perhaps a little bit of benefit, be it in American football, you get the first pick of the new round of players. In the Kia Super League, there's a little bit of shuffling, particularly of the England internationals, and so the likes of Sophia Dunkley, who played for the Surrey Stars that won last year, moves to the Lancashire Thunder, and it just sort of evens out a little bit. The, uh, the head of performance at the ECB for the women's game, uh, Jonathan Finch, said that uh, it's all about trying to give opportunity to those in the England side, on the periphery perhaps, that wouldn't be quite as far up the order, to make them more significant players perhaps, at sides where... where success hasn't been quite as forthcoming as it has said sorry and so maybe they'll play a bigger role in their experience of winning matches and having to be a senior player will then enhance so that's the thinking behind it and and it does mean that you you enter each competition not quite sure who's going to be most successful we've had three different years and three different winners so far southern vipers western storm and then the surrey stars and so there is that sense that you go into each competition not quite sure who's going to be the most successful that's always quite fun because you don't want the same teams winning every year uh, yeah basic composition of teams. If you're not familiar with the Kia Women's Super League, uh, there'll be three international overseas players, um, three or four established England stars, and then it's academy players. And Mark Robinson desperately needs to find players from that lower pool, from that academy, doesn't he, to help supplement an, an England squad that's got a little bit... I wouldn't say jaded, but it's been the same squad for quite a number of years now. He's been looking to unearth stars in, in line for the T20, World T20, which is going to take place in Australia next year. Absolutely, and we saw the, the women's ashes that's just gone went really very badly for England. There's no other way of looking at it. They won the last T20. That was it. Otherwise, it was all Australian dominance, a drawing the test match in there as well. But essentially, it was just dominated by Australia, who can call upon over 100 players who can say cricket is their full-time job. England have 18 that represent England at Loughborough and who are a part of that core, if you like, that Mark Robinson can pick from. So he does need extra support and extra supplement, if you like, from the Kia Super League. And we have seen that in the last couple of years where the likes of Kirsty Gordon's come into the England side internationally, played in the World T20, played in the Test Match in the Ashes. And then Maddie Villiers, the, uh, the bowler who played at Bristol in the final match of the Women's Ashes. So there is talent emerging, but Mark Robinson would dearly love a little bit more exposure for these players in the pressure cooker atmosphere, I suppose, of TV cameras, radio coverage, that sort of thing, and against, of course, the world's best players. Let's have a look at those world's best players, as you say. Uh, no Lanning and no Perry, but there's the likes of Sriti Mandana. She's going to be around. I know you're a big fan of hers. Holman Preet Kaur, uh, Alyssa Healy. Uh, what, what other sort of stars can we can we hope to see? Well, the joy, you mentioned a couple of, of those stars with uh, Smriti Mandana, Jemima Rodriguez as well from uh, from India, Harmanpreet Kaur, as you say. So you get the, the Indian players that, of course, in the men's game, the IPL means that you don't see the top Indian stars in the Big Bash League and in the T20 Blast competition. So in this league, you do get the world and everyone from... from the women's game worldwide is available to be part potentially of the of the Kia Super League. So you have got those big names. Alyssa Healy has the, I suppose that the fortune in the sense for for the Yorkshire Diamonds who she's playing for is that being married to Mitchell Stark, it works quite conveniently for Alyssa Healy because as he's here with the men's ashes, she then as the uh, the overseas player, one of the overseas players for the Yorkshire Diamonds will also be over here and uh, and can spend time here 
with husband Mitchell as well. So that all works quite neatly, and uh, and they'll certainly be a side to look out for the Yorkshire Diamonds. You've also got the likes of Susie Bates, who's the uh, New Zealand captain who's playing for the Southern Vipers. So there's a lot of big name talent out there. I think Smriti Mandela, arguably the best player in the world at the moment at the Western Storm. She played extraordinarily well last year in the in the tournament, and uh, I imagine it's a slightly different world to some of the is you know now become so famous in india she can barely walk down the street without getting stopped and and asked for selfies and autographs that uh, i imagine a, a few weeks in taunton is going to be slightly <laughs> different so let's take let's take a look at the actual sides um pick out i guess the ones you think are going to be favorites yorkshire diamonds and the lancashire and i never i remember lancashire lightning lancashire thunder lancashire thunder, thunder. loughborough lightning and then you go to the men's game and it's the lancashire lightning yes Easy. it's lancashire thunder yes I've got a bit of a, a soft spot for them. They've had a tough time in the Super League. I'd say that the Lancashire and Yorkshire teams haven't really gelled over the last few years. It's mostly been dominated by the likes of the Western Storm and Southern Vipers and um, Surrey coming to the fore last year. Do you, do you see this could be a possible breakthrough year for Lancashire? Lancashire have been weirdly rubbish over the years, and it's inexplicably so. They have had some top, top players in their side, like Sir Hayley Matthews from the West Indies, who, who's actually moved this year's competition, but uh, some big players that just haven't quite performed for them. They've got a changing captaincy this year. Kate Cross, the, uh, the England fast bowler, leads them. I think that's a good move. She's quite a fiery, strong character, and she could be quite a good leader as well. And I quite like their, their signings as well from overseas. I think that could help them a lot, because overseas-wise, they've got Harman Preet who is a brilliant player. She single-handedly almost beat Australia in that World Cup semi-final in 2017 in the 50-over games. They got Sune Luz, the all-round leg-spinning all-rounder from South Africa. But as well as that, they've got a good spin attack. Sophie Eccleston, Alex Hartley, both England internationals, both left-arm spin. And you just feel that if they can get it right this year, it could be a competition where suddenly things start moving in the right direction for them. The big if, of course, is whether they can get it on a roll because the tournament, as it is, only 10 group matches, which can mean that if you start poorly, it's quite hard to fight your way back. But the hope from their point of view is that they can just seem to uh, possibly get going a little quicker than they have in previous years and maybe with that get on a bit of a roll. Um, you've mentioned Yorkshire side. I want to have a little look at Southern Vipers. The Vipers actually dominated the tournament, really, for a couple of years under the tutelage of Charlotte Edwards and with Susie Bates at the top of the order. And it was a curious situation. It was one of those situations where the, uh, the tournament's sort of designed to try to unearth fresh new talent. But at the same time, sides want to win. And so overseas stars were dominating at the top of that order and not really making the opportunities for people lower down. How do the Vipers look this year? Susie Bates, you say, is still there. She'd probably come in either open or come in at number three, wouldn't she? Yeah, you'd have thought so. They've also got Stefani Taylor now, the West Indies captain. All-rounder bowls, bats brilliantly. So that is a strong top order. That is a punchy top. Certainly top three, you would have thought. Uh, Sophie Molyneux, the Australian all-rounder, is also in that side. They're captained by Tammy Beaumont, who is, uh, of course, the England opener. And so she takes over the reins as, as leader of the side from Susie Bates. And so that would be quite an interesting test from her point of view. Leadership, whether she can continue the form with the bat that she's shown as a captain. So we'll, we'll wait to see what happens. I think they're, they're always going to be up there because they're a good side. They've got a good structure. Charlotte Edwards is involved there as uh, part of the coaching staff. And so You'd expect them to be there or thereabouts come the end of the tournament. Uh, and they've got good youngsters as well. One player I'm looking forward to seeing is Lauren Bell, who's 16 years old. She's a fast bowler. She's tall. You don't often see that in the women's game. We saw in the, in the women's ashes, Taylor Valemic from Australia. 
real pace, genuine pace, sort of up past your nose kind of stuff. And Lauren Bell, Mark Robinson, uh, England head coach, is excited by the prospect of having someone coming through the ranks that can potentially be that X-factor bowler that England have been looking for because the women's game is so dominated by spin that having someone with genuine pace is quite an exciting prospect. So that, that'll be the hope from England's perspective. We, we saw a little bit of her, did we, on the outfield at last year's um, finals day. Uh, she had a terrific action and she was getting it through some pace and she was very tall for her age and if she's developed she's developed muscularly then there could be a genuine fast bowler there because you're right one of the issues sometimes that women's cricket has is that the taller women often find themselves going into sport like netball and they would be ideal as fast bowlers and they often sort of slip through the net don't they uh, and often the shorter players end up playing hockey so it's sort of your, your batters who would be ideal are playing the wrong sport and your bowlers are be ideal playing uh, a different sport so let us go through the format six teams ten matches home and away yeah that's basically the format and then it heads towards a finals day at Hove on September the 1st and the finals day is not quite like the men's T20 blast competition where you get that amazing day at Edgbaston that seems to last for several weeks once you're involved in it because it is yep. just so intense and it all happens and you, you're you there for what 15, 16 hours and uh, you've got the three matches the two semi-finals and the final for the women's uh, uh, competition you've got the semi-final if you like between the two teams that finished second and third they go through to play the team that finished top of the group last year and that's quite an interesting way of doing it in some ways because you've got the energy that a side can get from winning that first semi-final and they hit the ground running and then win the competition as we saw with the, the Surrey Stars last year beating Loughborough so there is that that slight nuance in, in that finals day that isn't an advantage to play two games is it an advantage to play just the one game if you're the side that finishes top of the group and goes straight to the final but it's a good day it's Back end of the school holidays, it's always a lot of fun. Um, and I think that with the sort of stars we've got in the competition this year, there's a lot to look forward to. And there's really the potential that we could see some new talent coming through. And with a World T20 next year, particularly the England coaches will be keeping their eyes open to see if somebody can perhaps make a name for themselves and rattle the cages, perhaps, of, uh, of some of the big stars of the world game. It's a Fast and Furious tournament. It kicks off on the... 6th of August, finals day on the 1st, am I right? 1st of September. 1st of September, so that's, it, 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 it comes by quickly, doesn't it? It's, what's that, 25, 26 days. I'm going to put you on the spot, Henry Moran. Who is going to win it? Give me, give me your top three if you can and pick a winner out of them. I think Surrey Stars will be a good side once again. They've got this trio of South Africans that are very effective uh, as as a unit and, and the spine of the team, if you like, with Dane van Nierkirk, Marizan Cap, and then uh, Lizelle Lee, who scored 100 actually on that finals day last year to, to win it for the Surrey Stars. I think they're likely to be up there. I quite like the look of the Lancashire Thunder. I think they could certainly be uh, a side that causes some damage. Uh, the question, I suppose, is who... Who's going to come to the party in terms of the overseas signings? If it's Alyssa Healy, then the Yorkshire Diamonds could. If it's Smriti Mandanar again, then you'd be surprised if uh, if the Western Storm weren't quite a threat in the competition. My guess would be it is you're likely to see Surrey there once again, possibly the Western Storm, but I'm going to go for the Lancashire Thunder as an outside bet. Well, I like that. I would be happy to see that happen. I, I can't really bet against my own side, Surrey Stars, and seeing yet again another jubilant Ebony Rainford Brent running laps around Hove. That was a that was a sight to behold. Whether she'll do it the next time, I don't know. In a know. parallel universe, I imagine Ebony is still running round. 
Hove celebrating last year's win. I think, well, actually, I think in this universe she <laughs> might be. <laughs> we'll see. But, you know, in a way, maybe it would be appropriate for the final Kia Super League if, if the side that got that trophy was the Vipers. So I think I'm going to have to... I'll have to say the Vipers. Henry Brad, thank you ever so much for joining us. And uh, your first game is which match? Loughborough against the Western Storm on Tuesday at Loughborough University. It's a fun little venue. Out come the deck chairs. Good crowds come in. I'm looking forward to it. Brilliant. I'll be at Headingley for Yorkshire against Surrey. Always a, always a feisty clash. That. Thanks, Henry. Back to you, Matt. Yes, thank you, Dan. Uh, and that just about wraps up uh, the show. We'll have a quick look forward to um, some standout fixtures uh, this week. Uh, I think it's going to be a big week for Durham if they're going to get through. They've got games at uh, Northampton, Derby, and then Notts at home on Sunday. Uh, those first two, Alan, both seem like the sort of fixtures you have to win to scrape through if you're Durham. Yes, and they and on the form uh, so far, they look look pretty winnable. Um, two teams that are, are languishing in the wrong half of the table. Uh, then there's the spectacle of a London Derby at Lords on Thursday night. Uh, Middlesex going pretty well so far. Uh, Nathan South has been. Uh, impressive with his leg spin and his uh, sort of plentiful wrongings. Uh, and it's the final game of A.B. de Villiers' stint as overseas player, uh, coming off the back of uh, a fairly uh, stunning innings at Richmond on Sunday. Uh, so that should be about as good as it gets in the blast, uh, in front of the TV cameras, uh, full house, been sold out for weeks. Uh, and then there's one final one to, to earmark, which is uh, Somerset against Kenton. Saturday night, uh, the, the most attentive among our listeners will know that Kent have won, I think, about their last 11 games in a row against Somerset, um, a record which goes back to 2010. Uh, so Somerset will see if they can end that particular hoodoo uh, at Taunton on Saturday. How are their chances, Alan? Well, I mean, uh, the Cider Boys will not be pleased to uh, hear that. Um I guess, but, but all eyes on on Babar Azam again, or, or is it? Can they win in spite of Babar Azam? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, seriously, um, yeah, uh, uh, that should be that should be quite a game. Yeah. Um, well, Alan, thanks very much for joining us, uh, and thank you very much for tuning in to listen. Uh, we'll be back again next week to recap another week of T20 Blast action uh, and all the latest from the Kia Super League. Thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs>